Well, what's up, young adults? We're glad you're here with us on a Tuesday night. It's been a while since we've been here, but we're back, and we can't wait to uh, keep meeting with y'all as we go throughout the semester. And uh, we are kicking off the semester here with a three-part series called Work, why it matters, work, why it matters. So we're gonna be talking about this over the next couple of weeks, and here's the reason why. Either you are currently working, all right, or you are paying money to do work so that you could do more work later, right? That's kind of crazy, that's how college works is you, you pay money to do work and then you do more of it later, or you're looking for a job or you should be looking for a job, but here's what we know, that work is a part of our lives, it's a natural part of our lives that all of us engage in, and if we took a poll, I would imagine most of you would say, I wanna do some meaningful things in my life and I wanna do some meaningful work. Uh, the time when I started working was actually in eighth grade, okay? Uh, and my first job, think back to your first job uh, that you had. My first job was slinging corn dogs at the Ozark Empire Fair on the north side of Springfield, okay? Uh, I worked in Root Beer Stand West. It was right across from the karaoke stand. This is 2004, y'all. I'm dating myself a little bit, but this is when Redneck Woman came out, and this song was on repeat at the, I think it's Gretchen Wilson, I don't know exactly who sings that, but it was on repeat as I'm making corn dogs, and uh, I just remember this was an awesome job for a couple reasons. Number one is if you messed up the food, you could eat the food, so I, uh, maybe not on my Christian honor, would break a, uh, a pre-battered corn dog, and then it would be short, and then I would get to eat it myself, but also too, this is pre-MySpace, Y'all don't even know what that is. Pre-MySpace, pre-Facebook, pre-Instagram, pre-Snapchat. This was how you met people from other schools, all right? And then you did this crazy thing. So like you wanted to be at the stand where you could meet the most people. And then you did something crazy. You then like had to talk to them in person first. And this is how you met somebody. And so this was the cool part uh, of my first job, making corn dogs at the Ozark Empire Fair. Uh, it, it was a good way to start. And then, you know, I spent time, I mowed yards after that. I worked on a farm for a little bit. Uh, not that country, but I, I did it. So, uh, and then uh, I taught and now I work here. I, work has been a part of my life, right? Naturally, work has been a part of my life. And I, I think we have to ask this, uh, ourselves this question is, why is work a part of our lives? Why is that something we do? Why, if you're in school right now, are you doing work to go work? If you have a job currently, why is that a part of what we do? And so what we do here at Young Adults each week is we open up God's word and we look at what does it have to say? Why did God create work? Why is that something that we do? But also beyond that is how do we have a view of our work? Think about the amount of time you're going to spend in your life working. And if that's such a large portion of your time in your life that you're gonna spend at a job or working in some capacity, don't you think you want to honor God in it? How can we bring God honor in the work that we are doing? And the reality is, is that work has always been a part of God's plan. And that's the main point that I wanna hammer on tonight is that work has always been part of God's plan. How do we know that? In Genesis chapter one, if we open to the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter one, we see the creation account. We see God creating the world. We see God doing work. And then in Genesis chapter two, this is what it says. We're gonna read Genesis two, verses one through three. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. 
And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So we see immediately, what do we learn about God? That work is part of God's character. And as we read scripture, we wanna ask those questions. What can we learn about God? What can we learn about his character? We understand that God is a God who works, who was working, who is working, and who will continue to work in our world. That God is a God of work. And there's this cycle of work and rest, something that we need to pay attention to. We're not gonna talk about that a lot tonight, but work and rest should be a part of our lives. Now, further than that, not only did God create and work, he also created Adam and Eve. And in Genesis chapter two, as it continues here, it says that at, the, uh, there, at one point in time, there were no small bushes or plants in the field, and there was none because why? Because there was no one to work it and to keep it. So in Genesis 2.15, this is what we read. The Lord God took the man, talking about Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. In Genesis 1, we see that God also created man and woman to have dominion and rule over the earth. That work has always been part of God's plan. That it's actually a good thing. Now here's what I want you to think about. This is before the fall has occurred. What do we mean by that? Maybe you've been in church and you heard someone talk about the fall of man before. What they're saying is this is before sin has entered into the world. In the book of Romans, I love the way Paul describes it. He says, is death entered the world through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. They, all of us have sinned. All of us are sinners who are here. And that did something, right? That fall, that separated us from God. That in the garden, Adam and Eve had one command that they were to obey. And that was to not eat, to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can read about this in the beginning chapters of Genesis. And you can see that what did Adam and Eve do? They did the one thing that God told them not to do. And so sin entered the world through that choice. And what that's done is it's complicated the work that we do. Because we live in a broken and sinful and fallen world, it's complicated the work we do. And we're gonna talk about that more in the third message of this series. But it has created some complications for us in the way that we approach work and the way that we view work as a society. But if you think about it, okay, in Genesis 2 here, we're before the fall has happened. That means when in the garden, when things were the way they were supposed to be, when humans, Adam and Eve, were in a relationship with God and there was no sin and things were as they were ought to be, that work was a part of the equation. So before sin ever enters into the picture, work has been part of God's plan. That means it's a good thing. That means he has a purpose and a plan for it that our work is a good thing, but what's happened is it's sometimes this view of work and the way we approach work is not always correct in our society. All right, so think about it this way. If we took a scale right here, okay, and if on this side of the scale we had this viewpoint, that work is completely meaningless. Can anybody give an amen that's in a math class in high school that says this is meaningless? I literally have a calculator on my iPhone. I can look up equation, solving stuff online. Like I don't need this. Work is meaningless. It has no point, it has no value. Maybe you're in a job currently and you're like, what I do does not contribute to society in any way. 
You view work as meaningless. Maybe you only view your work as a job just so you can get a paycheck because if you have a paycheck, that means you can live and do what you want. That is the purpose of your work. Now on the other side, which I think if you're like me and where probably more of us would land on this scale, is that work is what you identify by. Work is what you identify by. This is the LinkedIn people right here, okay? I'm on LinkedIn, so if you wanna connect with me, that's fine too. But um, this is like how we are in American society and our culture, is that we often identify by our work. Our successes, our achievements, this is what we identify by. And how do you know if this is you, and maybe that this is a problem? If your value or the worth that you think you have rises and falls based on your level of success at work, you might have a problem. Further than that, I would say if your joy is constantly in flux, up and down, based on how your work is going, you might have a problem in how you are viewing your work. This, this is a little bit more where I fall. I actually remember being at an event once, uh, and, and we had this event, and I remember I didn't feel like I had led well at the event. I didn't feel like it was a success. And I remember going home that night and feeling almost sick to my stomach and feeling just ashamed of who I was as a leader because I felt like I had failed. Now, that was not what God had planned for me in that time, right? That's not the way God, God allows us to have failures and things to evaluate and to see where we need to grow and where we need to change. But my whole self-worth, my whole identity was all wrapped in. If I'm successful, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be joyful. Then I'll feel good about the way things are going. So it's a problem if we completely identify by our work, but it's also a problem if we take work and we treat it so flippantly that it's completely meaningless to us. There's gotta be a better way, right? There's gotta be a better framework, a healthier approach to what we do. And I think that one of the pieces of scripture that I keep coming back to, I memorized this a long time ago whenever I was in college, and it's Colossians 3.23, which says, work willingly at whatever you do as if you were working for the Lord and not for people. Work willingly at whatever you do, right? as though you were working for the Lord rather than just for people. And if you've ever heard a message on work or if you've ever heard a talk on this, you've probably heard this passage come up, but this is the Apostle Paul here writing to the church at Colossae and within basically rules he's giving for Christian households, aka practical advice for believers. Paul is saying here, you need to work willingly as if you were working for the Lord and not just working for people, that this mindset shifts us and allows us to see that our work is gonna have more meaning, it's gonna have more value, it's gonna have more purpose when we understand that this is part of who God created us to be and part of what he created us to do here on earth. Work willingly at whatever you do as if you were lurking for the Lord rather than just for people. This changes our mindset to a healthier view. And there's a couple points I think we need to dive into as we kind of shift and say, why does work matter? Well, obviously it's something that God has intended since the beginning of time, and it's something that we are to work, where we're to work willingly. As we shift, there's a couple of things we need to think about, is that you actually have the ability to honor God through the work that you do. 
You actually have the ability to honor God, the creator of all things, through the work that you do and the way that you approach your work and the way that you carry it out. You know, over the break, I listened to a book called A Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom, all right? Uh, I, I would so recommend this book. Uh, it's just an incredible story of faith. If you don't know who Corey Ten Boom is, Jared's referenced her in a message before. She was a Dutch Christian who was living in Harlem, which is a city in the Netherlands during World War II. And so uh, Corey Ten Boom and her family, what they did is they basically took the watch repair shop that they owned and it had housing above it. They called it They basically took this and it became a hub within that city of saving and rescuing Jewish people who are gonna be sent to concentration camps and work camps and who are gonna be taken away from their family. And they were responsible for uh, helping within this underground network and saved hundreds and hundreds of lives throughout the war. And so that's a piece of like why that story is so incredible. But Corey Ten Boom credits much of who she was to her father, Casper Ten Boom. And this is a man who, if, you know, if he didn't have a relationship with God, we probably would never have heard about him. But because he loved God and because he was committed to his purposes, we know the name Corey Tinboom and the family uh, legacy that he has. And this was a guy who was a watch repairman. And in the book, Corey talks about how her father, she's like, he was a great at repairing watches, but he was a terrible businessman. And so she began looking at invoices and she's like, uh, dad, how did, how, do you see this invoice? You fixed this really expensive antique timepiece for somebody and you never collected the check for it. Like you never sent them the invoice. And he would just say, oh, Corey, this was a beautiful piece of machinery. This was a beautiful watch. How could I even care about the money that I would get for it? And she talks about how she would often find him working on a watch or a timepiece at the end of the day. And it's all disassembled all over his desk and his workbench. And she would go back in the next morning. And at some point in the middle of the night, he had found his way down and finished the project and finished the work. And he would speak of himself repairing watches and he would uh, equate it to the beauty that God had in society, the order and the way that he could fix things. And, and he just totally saw that even in, he saw the beauty in repairing a watch and saw the goodness of God through the skills that he was able to use. And as I listened to that, it just kind of changed my mindset. And since then, I've looked at the tasks that I do around me and I'm like, man, do I see the beauty in that? Am I even thankful to God that he's given me these tasks that I can do to bring him glory, to create and to make things and to interact with people? And I I just, as I listened to that story about a guy who repaired watches and how part of it, how he changed the world through other things that he did, I was just like, man, he found such beauty in just the simple things and the simple work that he was doing. And I think that that's something that takes the homework that you have or the nine to five that you have and it makes everything more meaningful. As you see God, like I see your beauty in this, that you gave me the skill, the ability, the desire, the passion, the understanding to be able to solve what's going on here or to work in this capacity. It suddenly adds more meaning to everything that we are doing. Now this was a guy who repaired watches and he and his family and his daughters helped to change the world. And we still talk about him today. You know why? It's because he understood and their family understood that repairing watches was just an avenue to do ministry. It was just an avenue to do ministry. 
That even before the war happened, they cared for out of their shop and their home people who were in the community who had needs and they cared and they were active and engaged in what was going on and in the work that was going on in Harlem and what was going on in the city. See, they understood and they had a vision for doing ministry because they loved God. It transitioned outwardly. Their vertical relationship with God put them on mission to people horizontally around them. And they understood that, hey, this might be a watch repair shop, but this could be something that God uses. And they understood that ministry is not like a vocational position like I have, right? Yes, I am in ministry, but if you're following Christ in here too, you are in ministry. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are called to full-time ministry every day, 365 days a year. Whenever I was uh, feeding cows out of high school, I was doing ministry. Whenever I was teaching and in education, I was doing ministry. Now as a pastor here, I'm still doing ministry because ministry is not a title, it's something that you do when you have a relationship with Jesus. And how is your schoolwork? your time in class, your time in the office be changed and totally transformed if you understood that you were doing it all for the glory of God and for contributing to what was happening in the good of society. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit more in a second. But in the same way that you can honor God with your work, do you know you can also dishonor God with the way you work? The Bible has some harsh language surrounding this topic. If anyone walked in here tonight and I was like, bro, you're a slug, man, you're so lazy, that is offensive, all right? Uh, That would not be something that you're like, oh, that was really nice, Logan, thank you for calling me a slug. Well, in scripture, we see in the book of Proverbs the word sluggard, right, is used 14 times, sluggish, lazy, that's what this word means. And this is what it actually says in Proverbs 10, 26. Like vinegar to the teeth, and smoke to the eyes. Y'all have been there when you're at a bonfire, right? And the smoke hits you in the eyes. That, that's such an uncomfortable feeling. And it paints such a picture. It says, so is the sluggard to those who send him. So if you are lazy and you're sluggish, right, and you don't care about what you're doing, there's no way that you're gonna contribute to the good of the people who are around you. You know, elsewhere it says in Proverbs 6, 6, it says, go to the ant, O sluggard. So person who is lazy, go to the ant and consider her ways and be wise. If you watch an ant, right, they're working, they're moving, they're doing something, they're producing something, that that's actually wisdom. Did you know if, elsewhere in scripture, it talks about that idle hands lead to ruin. If you don't have work to do and things going on in your life, something you're working towards, that's not gonna be for the betterment of your spiritual life and your spiritual walk with God. You can bring dishonor to God in the same way through your work. I want you to think about this. Let's, let's hone on this. Sometimes I'll talk to a guy who's in college. And this guy is, over the years, I've had this conversation several different times. And this guy is uh, following Christ, right? And then in the midst of talking to them, they're like, yeah, like I skipped that class. And uh, I haven't been going to that class either. And actually, I haven't done any of my homework for that class. And I'm failing a couple courses as well. And I just sit there and I think, man, are you serious? Like you, you that, that's like, you're okay with that? Because as a Christ follower, are you working willingly at what you do? Not that, hey, you can have a hard time in a class, right? There can be struggles, there can be uh, challenges with that, but these are the guys I'm talking about. It's not that they didn't have the intelligence or the ability, but they didn't have the discipline 
to honor God through what they were doing. And I thought, man, you want to have a career after this. You have a vision for your life after this, but yet right now you're not doing and being obedient in the things that God has called you to. The time to start developing discipline is right now. God will help you to develop the discipline that you need. You need to ask him for it. And a lot of times you need to surround yourself with people who are being disciplined as well. The habits you are creating right now, today, will be the habits that you're carrying into tomorrow. So you've gotta evaluate and look. And if that's you and you struggle with that, that's okay, God can redeem it. But you need to take seriously the things that you're doing. I don't think we should, as believers, approach anything in our lives just flippantly without care. And I've gotta remind myself that too, even in my stage of life now, that there are things where I get jaded by and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll do that again. It's just gonna be good enough, we'll be fine. It's like, we can't have that approach. We need to bring God honor through the work that we're doing. In the same way we can honor God through our work, we also have the ability to contribute to society through the work that we do. Now, here's the thing. In our culture today, we have shifted. If you read literature around this topic, that our society has went from what's called like a traditional society, which is the betterment of all people, and not that that always happened in all cases in all point in times in history, but there was more focus on the common good, to we've turned and we've become such an individualistic society. Things that have contributed to that, rise of social media, rise of self-focus, that we've become so individual-focused that we often don't think of how our work actually contributes to the good of society. I think about it this way, okay? Uh, I went to Walmart yesterday, and I doubt that the the lady there wanted to be working, but I had this conversation with her. It's cold out. But I thought, man, as I buy groceries for my family or as I buy formula for my, uh, my baby son, like, and as I get that, I'm just so thankful that someone was there, that that cashier was there to be able to give me those products I need. I'm thankful for the truck drivers who transported it to the store, the logistics managers that made sure the load arrived, the people who were in uh, the factory, the making sure that stuff was packaged and prepared safely. I'm thankful for all of those people because all of those people contributed to the good of society. And this has changed my mindset as I looked at this lady who was checking uh, us out at Walmart and I just said, hey, thanks for working today. I, I've never told anyone that before, I don't think. But I was just like, hey, thanks for being here today. Thanks for working. And I was legitimately had thankfulness in my heart because I feel like God directed me and reoriented my heart and is teaching me that. I was thankful for the work that this lady did because we have the opportunity to contribute to society through our work. You know, right out here uh, a couple Sundays ago, I was talking to a young adult uh, uh, girl in our church named Hannah. I've known Hannah for a while and I was just catching up with her about what she's doing now currently and what she's, um, where, where she's at with her career and she's just finishing up doing some practicum work and some things that she's gonna be a social worker. And now here's the thing, I was in education for seven years. I know how difficult being a social worker can be. This is a field of ministry. You see a lot of really dark things and you have to advocate and fill in the gap and stand in some places that it's a hard thing to see and to know about what's happening. And she told me about this internship that she completed and how she just loved it. And she had this vision of how she wanted to make a difference through that. And I was just like, man, Hannah, that's really cool because that's a hard thing to do. And so uh, later I called her, we called her as a team and and I kind of asked her like, hey, will you tell me your testimony, Hannah? I know that you got saved when you were in school, but like, why do you wanna be a social worker? Why do you care about that? And she told me, she's like, I went through some rough things whenever I was a kid, 
You know, she said, when I was 16, I was angry at the world and I wanted to just fight against the world is the way she said it. And she said, when she went to Missouri State University, she carried that same attitude into what she was doing, that she put a lot of emphasis on drinking and finding validation in the wrong things. And uh, she said, it wasn't until this girl started investing in her, that a girl started investing in her and having conversations that really mattered to her, that something transitioned and changed in her life that she heard the gospel, she heard the good news of Jesus. And she said, had she not had a relationship with Jesus, she would never have the vision for the work that she is currently doing. And she said, no child deserves to grow up in a home where they're unsafe, unprotected, where they don't have their needs met. And she says, I wanna be that for people. And I looked at Hannah and I thought, wow, the work of Jesus in her life has going to help her to contribute to the good of society. She's gonna go out with a kingdom mindset, doing the work and being the hands and feet of Jesus to kids in our state and in our city. And it reminded me of John 17, one to four. And it says this, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that he may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ in whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. What did Jesus say? He said, God, I know my time has come, right? This is, this is Jesus here before he's gonna go to the cross. We sang about it earlier, that he was gonna willingly die for us to be a sacrifice for our sins, to take on a debt that he didn't earn, that that was the work that he came to do, not just the ministry that he had completed, but he said, hey, I've completed all this, but his final work was gonna be through what he did on the cross. That Jesus was gonna be killed and crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, only to rise again three days later, overcoming death and the grave. And it's through that work that we can have a relationship with God again. When we admit we are a sinner, when we believe in that God sent Jesus to die on a cross for us. And when we confess him as Lord of our life, we get to be the beneficiaries of that work. Do you know what it looks like to be a beneficiary of that work? You just have to say yes to following Jesus. I said something right there, confess him as Lord of your life. That just means giving over the authority of your life. Maybe you've been trying to make all the decisions on your own. You've been choosing what you do and don't do and you're just looking for guidance. You're looking for direction. You're tired and you're worn out. And you say, man, I want a relationship with God. Jesus' work on the cross allows us sinful, broken people who are deserving of death to have eternal life through what Jesus did on the cross. And it's simple. We just have to say yes to him. We have to receive the gift that he gave us and we get to be the beneficiary of the work that he did on the cross. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to do as we move forward and as we continue to think about things. Maybe you are in a program at school or a class at school that you hate. Maybe you're in a job that you hate, you dread going to work, you dread spending Monday through Friday in the office. This is what my challenge for you is. Stop saying you hate it. And start praying and asking God, God, what do you want me to learn through this? 
Stop saying you hate it. Stop being unhappy with where you are and lacking thanksgiving for where you are, but say, God, what do you want me to learn through this? This isn't where I wanna be, maybe. This isn't what I wanna be doing, but what do you want me to do through this? You know, one of the biggest mistakes that I made whenever I was in college, I still can see the faces of all the people that were in my program at Missouri State. And I was so focused on getting done and doing well in class and, and, and moving on to the next thing and then I wanted to get a good job that I missed opportunities to share the gospel that I'll never have again. I'll never have those opportunities again. And whenever I was teaching, I taught for seven years and I felt like I had this moment with God whenever I was on my second year of teaching where I was like, I don't wanna do this anymore, God. I'm done, like I'm out, I wanna do something different, I wanna go do something uh, that I enjoy and like I was just like, man, I'm out right now. And I felt like God really put on my heart, hey, I've called you to something else down the road, but I haven't released you from where you're at yet. And years two through seven of teaching were the most fun I had teaching the entire time I did it. It was some of the most effective years of ministry of my life. It's some of the, the greatest influence that I have, some of the greatest memories that I have ever had come from that section because God brought me to a point of surrender. I can't take credit for that, but I said, you know what? I'm gonna go all in where I'm at and I'm gonna enjoy where I'm at and God, I'm just gonna let you worry about the next step for me. I don't need to know where I'm gonna go next, but right now I'm gonna be faithful where I'm at and I don't regret any of that. And I'm so thankful that God was gracious enough and kind enough to teach me that, that I can look back on those years that I could have wasted and said, man, those years were awesome. Those years were effective. Those years were great. I have good memories. And I want the same thing for you because life is but a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And God has right now, wherever you're at, meaningful work for you to do. And some of y'all right now, you're praying through and asking God, God, what do you want me to do after school? Some of you are in a career path right now and you've been in it for a few years and you're praying and asking God, what do you want me to do? Some of you might be doing the wrong, like you might not be where God has you, wants you to be further down the road. But I wanna challenge you to start praying, to stop saying, hey, I hate where I'm at, but also to start praying, God, what do you want me to do? Hey, I'm open, I'm willing. God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to be? What do you want me to do with my life? And that's my prayer as, as, as this series goes, is that people would see that there's such meaning and value in what they're doing because there is an enemy that came to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants to rob you of joy in the work that you're doing. But God has come what? So that you could have life and have it abundantly. And a big piece of that is the work that you do.